Welcome to the Ocho! Episode 8 of Shane Talks. We are here to talk about sports movies. Today, we're going to talk about Shane's 8 favorite sports movies. And then what we're going to do is throughout the next week or two, I'm going to release uh, remote segments of me talking to some of my friends about their favorite sports movies as, uh, as little extra bonus episodes to go along with this one. But for tonight... Jason Mayer is going to be my co-host, and we are going to talk about my eight favorite movies. Now, I'm going to address something right up here at the top, because there are two movies that most people are going to assume are in this top eight list that I am not putting on this top eight list, and I'm going to explain why. Those two movies are uh, Green Street Hooligans and Pool Hall Junkies. Uh, both of these movies transcend sports films, in my opinion. And I don't categorize them as sports movies. Green Street Hooligans, there is two scenes where they attend football matches. And there is one scene where the main characters actually play football. But that doesn't really make it a sports movie, in my opinion. It's more about the the hooliganism and the stuff that happens outside of the sport itself. Pool Hall Junkies is a little more of a gray area. Because while the main character does play a lot of pool and billiards... It's still also kind of in the same category for me because the main character is trying to get away from that and is trying to make that not the main focus of his life. So there's a lot of pool in the beginning. There's a lot of pool in the end, but I still find it to be a much more character-driven movie than a sports movie. So here I am with Jason Mayer, and we are going to discuss Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is probably my number one sports film of all time. Uh, I absolutely love the movie. Uh, I read the book numerous times after I saw the movie. Uh, when I was 21, uh, my family, a lot of my family lives in Iowa. Uh, so it, when I was 21, we were driving back to a family reunion. And my father took us on a little side tour to Dyersville, Iowa, where they filmed the movie. I got to actually be on the set, the, the house, the baseball field, all that stuff. It was really awesome. Um, but aside from that, it kind of just... It, it goes above and beyond even a sports movie to me because of the, the story with his dad. Like, it's one of those movies that it sets everything up in that opening narration when he's talking about his dad. And then when that comes full circle at the end, when he actually sees his father, uh, he he's had these baseball players there for, you know, two-thirds of the movie playing this game. All of a sudden, they bring a bunch of their friends with him, and he has no idea that his father is one of those friends. Man, I'm getting choked up just to, just describing this scene. Like, that's how much of an effect this movie has on me. Like, to this day, it's one of those movies that I will watch and I will cry 99% of the time when I watch it. It is so good. You Jeez, forgot that's... to say spoiler. Uh, well, hopefully anybody that's listening to this has seen the movie. If not, I just ruined it for you. Uh, I'm not very good at uh, putting spoiler tags on things. Uh, so, Jason, what are your feelings on Field of Dreams? Am I am I making it bigger than or better than it is, or or is it that good? I I um, I'm one of the few that I'm just it's good. I don't love it. I know a lot of people who do. Heck, the How I Met Your Mother references alone kind of point out how much everybody else enjoys it. Um, I like the movie a lot. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fun to watch when it's on. Um, but yeah, uh, never been somebody. Maybe it's your Iowa roots maybe, maybe that are popping into you, man. Um, but yeah, like good, good, solid movie. Um, just you know, not one of my top favorites of uh, sports films. I, I really love James Earl Jones' character in the movie. I think uh, he, 
uh, in the book, for people who don't know, the book was uh, is written about uh, J.D. Salinger is the actual author. The real-life author is the character in the book. Uh, his estate would not give them permission to use his likeness or his name or anything like that, so they had to change it to Terrence Mann, which is fine, because I think James Earl Jones, like, knocked it out of the park with how he is. And, like, so Ray goes on this character arc through the movie where he changes and begins to believe in all this crazy stuff, but to then watch Terrence Mann go through the same thing after he picks him up and, and they go to the baseball game and then, like, to watch him change from this bitter, hate-filled person to the guy that he is at the end of the movie where he's like, I'm going to go see what this cornfield's all about. Like, there's just magic to it that, has, that just draws me to it. That I, re- I, I like the mystical aspect of it. I like the fact that they go to Minnesota and they're suddenly transported back into the 70s. Um, and, and they meet Moonlight Graham. And, like, it... it and, and then the plot doesn't even go the way you think it is. He thinks they're there to save him. And then all of a sudden you've got the magical mysticism of he doesn't want to go. But then on their road home, they meet the younger version of him because it's a magical movie. Um, it just It's one that I know that I build up more than I should, but I just I really, really love this movie. And if I had to pick an all-time favorite sports movie, this would have to be it. And the interesting thing to me about the whole thing is here's a movie that has this mysticism in it. And like, it's just completely doing its own thing. And it has these magical, complete, crazy, magical elements to it, um, which completely work in the frame of the film. But they don't even really explain it. They just start saying like, hey, this is just something that happens and you have to accept it, which is perfectly fine. And I wish more movies would do that. Sure. Uh, they kind, you know, of, like they kind we, of set their own rules in the beginning with having a magical voice talk to him. And then by setting that up in the opening scene, every other magical thing that happens is like, that's fine. This is the world that we live in. This kind of thing happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and like you said, you they know, never it's... address it. They just, they just go with it. Well, they kind of address it. Everybody thinks that he's crazy and calls him crazy. But yeah, but I'm, as far as like actually explaining as right. to how and why it's a possibility for all of these entities to come back sure. and for them to travel back in time and stuff like that, like I just appreciate the fact from a storytelling aspect that if that movie was made today in Hollywood, they would explain exactly why it happened, for or sure. like they would they'd be like, uh, God is the one who told you to do this, <laughs> and God's the one who. Or, or, you know what I mean? There would have to be some reason. Or they would do the whole uh, Happy Death Day uh, thing where they'd be like, oh, well, uh, it was a science experiment. That <laughs> but you've got this great movie. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I, it's, I, I appreciate when you have something that's very quirky happen in a movie that doesn't need to be fully explained. For sure. So. And uh, I was just talking about how Ray goes on his journey Terrence Mann goes on a journey. Uh, I think Timothy Busfield's character, the brother-in-law, his his journey is also a very good one because he is such a jerk through the entire film. And then that last scene where he walks in front of the pitcher and and the ball like goes through him, he walks up to everybody else. You've got the pitcher angry, the catcher angry, that he's interrupting the game. And then you've got the whole scene where where the girl falls. Uh, Archie uh, has to grow up and become the old guy again. 
Uh, he saves the daughter, and then all of a sudden, because because Timothy Busfield witnessed all of that, he suddenly can see everything else that's been going on. Like that eye-opening moment is just a lot of fun for me. Like yeah. I, I think it's really well done. And then obviously, then he gets emotional after that when he meets his when he meets his dad, and they do the whole helicopter shot where you see all the cars coming. Like oh, that movie is perfect in my opinion. Oh, so good. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to my second favorite movie. Uh, these first four, I tried to pick one from each of the major sports. So that's my, that is definitely my favorite sports movie of all time, but it's also my favorite baseball movie. Uh, my basketball pick is Love and Basketball. Uh, 1997, 98, um, like 99 maybe, somewhere around there. Maybe even two, I think it was 2000. 99 to 2000, somewhere in there. Um, Omar Epps is amazing. Sanaa Lathan is amazing. Dennis Haysbert is in it. He's amazing. Um, I really, I really enjoy movies that chronicle different uh, eras of a person's life. So you get to see these two people as kids. Reunion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this this movie set the template for a movie that I made in 2004 called Reunion, uh, where we saw two kids growing up together going their separate ways, coming back together, being friends, trying to be more than friends. Um, this was definitely the template for that movie that I wrote and directed. Um, watching them grow up, uh, watching them as kids, watching them in high school, watching them in college, watching their professional careers, um, watching Omar Epps' character skyrocket and take off, causing him to get the attitude that he gets to leave her behind. Uh, and then him come crashing down with his injury while she goes over to Europe and becomes a big star over there. Um, it's it's one of those great movies about life and how it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. Um, I really like the way they built up their characters. I really like the way that they built up their friendship, relationship, not friendship, friendship, relationship, timeline. Like I, I thought that it was very well done. Uh, my two favorite parts of this movie. One is when Dennis Hay Haysbert's character is explaining to his son the fact that he cheated on his mom, um, and the like. The way he's describing it could only have been written by either interviewing a real NBA basketball player sure. or being a real NBA basketball player. Um, so I that scene it's one of those scenes where you're like, man, he's a scumbag, but you totally understand why he did it. For sure. And like, even if he had the ability to say no for so long, if it just kept being in his face the entire time, sure. Um, not saying it's justifiable, but you kind of get an understanding of why he would do something like that. Um, and then my, other, my second favorite scene in that whole movie is uh, the one-on-one -on -one game. Yep. In the in the uh, driveway between yep. the two main characters near the like what is that? That's the end of the movie ish. Basically, yeah, well, half they, an hour before the end. They, like, yeah. well, they do it so they yeah, because they kind of do yeah, it twice. They have two different one on one sessions throughout the movie. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, like the main one the where main you one just the, completely yes. think there's no way he's gonna win this. Yeah, there's no way, and like, and just how it all plays out from there. Um, just because, like you said earlier, it's just not one of those movies that every time you, it's not, I don't think it's a cut and paste film. Not at all. Uh, and there's, there's plenty of movies where you can watch 
Coach Carter and you feel like you just watched the Gridiron Gang at the exact same sure. time, or or so many other movies that do the exact same road and all the twists and turns are the exact same because some kid ended up dead because of something or a sure. major tragedy because of an accident. And that galvanizes, galvanizes the whole team together and they become the champions or whatever the case. Sure. Um, but that uh, that scene alone helps prove that you don't know what's coming with that movie. And right. uh, I really, really appreciate those two uh, scenes in that film for me to love it that much. So. Yeah, and I, I like, like there, there are two characters who are obviously in love, but their love never matches up. When she wants to be with him, he's already got a girlfriend. When he wants to be with her, she's already got a got a fiance. Like they're they're just they're two people who, when they need each other the most and they try to go back to that person, it's just not the right time in that person's life. Um, and I, I I really enjoyed that aspect of the movie too, with them eventually finding a way to be. And we we're left to think that they get back together by the end of the movie after that last one on one game. Yeah, yeah. come on. The entire time she's playing in the WNBA, he's sitting with their daughter on the court side. Like, there's no yeah. way they make, that they aren't together. I apologize. You're right. I honestly had forgotten about that scene. You're right. I I thought the one-on-one -on -one game was where the movie ended. You're right. They do the the uh, LA Sparks scene. Yeah. Totally, totally correct. So moving on from this, we've done baseball, basketball, jump into football. Not a surprise to many people that Varsity Blues is my favorite football movie ever. It's from the year 1999. If you listen <laughs> to this podcast, you know that anything in 1999 cannot go wrong. Uh, this is a great movie. This movie hit me at the exact right point in my life. I was one year removed from high school. I acted like Tweeter in this movie because I was ridiculous. Um, hey, Shane. Yeah. A 10! A 10! <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. No, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, whether it's it's definitely in my top two football movies of all time. What what gives uh, it a run the, for the money? Uh, the program, and I don't okay. know if it's just because of the program. When I saw the program, I was twelve, thirteen years old, probably, sure. and it was really controversial. Uh, it was it was controversial at the time because of that one scene that they cut out, which yep. wasn't that big. Of deal if nope. you've seen it since uh they've done a whole lot worse lately yep um but uh for the most part i don't think it was the controversy i just really enjoyed it. another one with omar Epps. Oh, um, yep. good call. he um but i mean uh yeah that movie uh, the program's a really good one i always recommend it to anybody who's a football fan if they haven't seen it they should see that but varsity blues by like it's I think it tops the program a little bit, and that's just because of how fun, ridiculous, quotable, quotable. Uh, the soundtrack is great. The soundtrack's fantastic, and you know, uh, like we talked about, it came from 1999, so yeah. like you really can't go wrong. So. Age appropriate. You got Vanderbeek. You got Paul Walker. Uh, you got Dude, the whipped cream. James Con. James Con. Uh, Amy Smart. Ali Larder. Uh, John Voight. Yes. Uh, dude, like, I mean, that, a that's a cast. solid, solid gas. Well, and the and, <laughs> and and the tiny little subplot with his younger brother through the movie, going through different <laughs> religions every scene that he's in, is just something that is so, like, subtle, but ridiculous. Would Allah bang Darcy if he had a chance? <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, the fantastic movie. I love it. I love it. I can watch it over and over again. It's definitely, it, it's hilarious. Cause like one of the things that I, you know, you buy movies digitally nowadays mm-hmm. and sometimes they come with a stamp that says, uh, I think varsity blues is like 47% on tomato, rotten tomatoes. But it's, it's like, so, this, so it's the splatter and it's like, uh, yes, if you're trying to look for something serious, this is not your football move. Not at all. But if you're looking for something that's silly and ridiculous and fun to watch, this is exactly the football movie you should be watching. For Better sure. than The Replacements. Oh, yeah. Which everybody loves The Replacements for some reason. I don't get it. But it's, whatever. it's a fine movie, but I just don't love it. it. I mean, Keanu Reeves is cool. Like, it's fine and all. But, like, this this movie just, it's got the, it's got the teenage angst. It's got... Uh, competitiveness it's got it's one of those movies that like the majority of sports movies you've got really good coaches you've got coaches that you look up to coach carter or uh emilio estevez and the mighty ducks like you've got these coaches that like bring the team together and teach kids like the way way back or the way back with ben affleck recently like a good coach for kids like not necessarily a good person but a a good coach for kids yeah he's very relatable for me, but he's not a very good person when it comes to things outside of he is really good at coaching basketball. This movie gave you a coach that you hate, that everybody hates. His players hate him, but he is yep. so revered because he wins that nobody will say anything about it. Basically, they, they they predicted Bill Belichick a couple of years before he took over in New England. I kid, I kid. I throw, I, I throw shade at Jason for being a Patriots fan. It's, it's all in jest. Yeah, I've dealt with it for over twenty years now, so I can <laughs> deal with it some more. Um, um, but even, it, even, even winning the game at the like, even the, even the booting uh, John Voight's character, uh, Bud Kilmer, voting Bud Kilmer out of being their coach in that, in that final C, uh, uh, game, where they're like, we're not going back out on the field if you're our coach. Like, we're done playing for you you're going to lose this game if you walk out there as the coach, like, because we're not going to go out and play. Like, that camaraderie just was a, was a, such a good culmination for that for that movie because then you get Lance Harbour in there, like, coaching in the second half, and it's fun plays, the Foo Fighters kick in. Like, that second half of that final game is just so much fun to watch. Absolutely. All right, so, baseball. Basketball, football, my favorite hockey film. Most people probably think it's the Mighty Ducks, and I do love the Mighty Ducks with a childhood passion. I should be wearing my Mighty Ducks jersey right now, but I'm not because my actual favorite hockey movie of all time is Miracle. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I paused because I just went, why didn't I consider Miracle? Probably because it's a biopic. But everybody in Miracle was really good. Like I love, I own Miracle. I think Miracle's an amazing film, and and the stuff, really that, the stuff that he did with that with that eighty team, uh, Herb Brooks. The stuff Herb Brooks did with that team is amazing. I probably the only reason it's it's behind this movie is because it's a biopic. But everything in Miracle was perfect. But my favorite is Mystery Alaska, and the reason it's Mystery Alaska is because I have a soft spot for small town feel good stories this uh this movie which i assume a lot of people haven't seen um is russell crowe as the sheriff of a small town in alaska who 
every Sunday they have a hockey game with the people in town and they're just really good hockey players in this tiny little bubble of their town. One of the one of the people who lives in that town has gone off and is now working at I believe it's actually ESPN. I think they got ESPN to do this movie. Um and he sells ESPN on this story about how good this hockey team is in Mystery Alaska and sets them up to play against the NHL New York Rangers. And spoiler alert, they do not beat the Rangers at the end of the movie, but they play their damned hardest against them, and it makes you feel good. They get the respect of the New York Rangers in the end for, in like, Going going into the game, you you get led to believe that the Rangers are just going to steamroll them, and and it does not play out that way. And I just I very much enjoy the character development of all these small town people who suddenly are being thrust into the spotlight of ESPN. We're playing against the Rangers, and how they all deal with this instant fame. Um, and 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 there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the movie. Unfortunately, it's got one of Jason's tropes that he hates, where one of the characters in the film ends up dying. Um, not that it is necessary to like rally everybody together, uh, but uh, but a character does have a heart attack in the movie. Um, eh, I don't necessarily think it needed to be in there, but 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 it is, and I can't change that. So again, like for me, that's what I love about this movie is it's it's uh, it's a it's about a bunch of nobodies. Who get put up against the New York Rangers and and they hold their own and I I really enjoy all of the character development all of the all of the bitterness that goes on between the characters some some players get chosen to play against the Rangers other people in town get left out it causes rifts it's it's a fun movie for me and I've talked about it enough Jason do you have any thoughts or opinions on it I haven't seen it since it was in the theater okay. So that was wasn't that ninety nine as well? Uh, that was ninety nine as well. Yep. Um, and uh, I liked it when I watched it. Nothing against the movie. I remember thinking Russell Crowe's character was really well done by him. Um, but yeah, um, solid movie overall. Just Burt Reynolds uh, as the coach. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Burt so. Reynolds plays the the he's the judge in town um, who ends up becoming the coach against the New York Rangers. Isn't there some like TV? Isn't like the main lead female in that movie like a TV actress instead uh, of like Mary McCormick, who ended up being on Battlestar Galactica? Okay. Yeah, she was the uh, she was the president on Battlestar Galactica, and then okay. yeah, she's the yeah, she's a local TV. She's a TV reporter that ends up going up there. Hank Azaria plays the guy from the town. Who, yep. uh, who now works at ESPN. Um, Lolita Davidovich, I believe is her name, plays Russell Crowe's wife, who's a really good supporting character, uh, helping him through his... Russell Crowe's character goes through some doubts throughout the movie because he's he's the old man who's getting kicked out of playing on Sundays and they end up needing him to play against the Rangers. So he's like... You guys have been telling me I'm too old to play, but now you guys need me to play. It's one of those, like, he has a lot of self-doubts because of that, and his wife's a good supporting character for for helping him through that. But yeah, Miracle's a, Miracle's a really good hockey movie, too. 
so we covered the four main sports there. So circling back, my fifth uh, movie that I picked for this list is Hoosiers, which arguably is a better movie than Love and Basketball, but I still I still love Love and Basketball. But Hoosiers, classic uh, basketball film. Like Gene Hackman is amazing. His attitude from the beginning, where everybody's like, "Look, this is how we do things here," and he's like, "Right," and it hasn't been working. You need to listen to me, and you need to do things my way. And everyone's like, no, we do things our way and we want them done our way. And then you get the Jimmy Chitwood scene where he shows up at the uh, at the court proceedings or whatnot. And uh, the dude's all like, I told you when we fired him, uh, Normandale, then Jimmy would come back and play. And Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, one thing you want me to play. He's got to be my coach. It's just I love that scene because everybody thinks they're getting what they want. And they're like, oh, if we want Jimmy to play, we got to deal with this guy that we just voted out, that we said we didn't want to be our coach. Uh, so I just love the irony of that scene. Your feelings on Hoosiers? Uh, I think I haven't seen the whole thing in its entirety for probably 15 years at least. Okay. Might be 20. I know I've caught bits and pieces of it since then. Sure. Uh, solid film, like oh, yeah. you said. Um, and um, Oh my God! What is his name? Dennis. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper's yep. fantastic he in the is film. Amazing. And, um, and, like, and that subplot with his alcoholism and attempted recoveries and and not being able to do it, and then that costing him his ability to be uh, to be on the bench for those last few games because he's in the hospital. Like that. That's a really powerful sub story. I also love the scene. Where uh, Normandale decides he needs to give Dennis Hopper's character the confidence to be a coach, so he purposely yep. gets himself thrown out. He's going yep. over and he's yelling at the coach and he, or the the referee, and he's yelling, and he's yelling, and he's like, "Throw me out of the game!" And like the look on the ref's face where he's like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Just throw me out of the game." He's like, "You got it, you're gone." I'm like, I enjoy that sequence because uh, he walks fun. right right up to Dennis Hopper and he's like, "Have fun," and just walks right out. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I really, really enjoy all the aspects of Hoosiers. I think it's, uh, I think it's a really fun basketball movie. Um, next up, we're going to go international and we are going to go to the Olympics and we are going to go with the Jamaican bobsled team and I'm picking cool runnings. Oh, I, I love this movie. This is again. This is this is a fish out of water. Small people being thrust into a a world they are not used to. Uh, John Candy is hilarious. Um, the scene near the beginning at the bar where Doris is trying to convince him to coach them, and he's just drinking and playing pool and telling him no in a hundred different ways. To this day, I get childish joy out of watching that sequence. The opening push cart race with Sanka and the little kids uh, is amazing. I, I love all of the, the freestyles that Sanka does. Um, Which is hilarious because this is another one of those movies that so many people that are our age uh -huh. love. And I just think it's fine. And it's funny and it's enjoyable when I if I watch it. Sure. But it's not something where I'm like, I'm watching Cool Runnings, baby. Uh, there's no way I'm not watching that today. 
Like, it's never been one of those movies for me. Why did you make him bobsledding? Well, but you got, um, like, okay, so think think about it, though, because you've got you've got a team of four guys who are busting their asses to to be in this Olympics. But you've got people on the Olympic committee who have a beef with their coach. So they are being penalized for something that, that uh, he did 20 years ago and was justifiably wrong in doing, but they're being oppressed because of John Candy's character's stuff that he did 20 years ago. So they have that fight already. They're fighting the IOC over that. Then on top of that, you've got, oh man, I cannot remember the character's name, but you've got, it, it, it's it's the fourth guy who doesn't really matter, um, but his dad does not want him doing it, uh, So, but he goes against his dad's wills. You've got the scene where his dad shows up at the hotel and demands that he comes home. Um, then you've got then you've got the the bonding scene between the two of them, where it's the look in the mirror and tell me what you see scene, uh, which gives him the the confidence to go and tell his dad, "No, I'm staying here. I I have a team and I'm going to be a part of it." Um, it's it's got so many good subplot threads going throughout the movie that all just come together and makes you just feel good inside. It's a Disney movie. What do you expect? <laughs> have your children watched this movie? No, uh, they have not yet. Uh, it is on Disney Plus, so it's definitely something that'll probably find its way at some point. And maybe when they finally, maybe when they watch it, I'll sit down and watch it again to try and enjoy it. So. You should, because they're going to be like cheering and they're going to be like jumping up and down. And you're going to be like, I should have been like that the first time I watched it. Shane was right. Yeah, Shane that's was all right. you want to hear. Anyway. Those are all the, that's all the words <laughs> I want to hear. Uh, so moving on from Cool Runnings, number seven. Uh, this is This is one that a lot of people, like this is one that I think nobody else knows. But every time I talk about it with somebody, everybody, everybody knows, knows it. And that's The Cutting Edge. Dude, everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Yeah. It is it is a weird, it's one of those weird chick flicks that sure. transcends being a chick flick. Yep. It like it goes beyond. This is one of those movies that I probably when I was in high school or maybe a little bit younger, I probably watched it a total of 20 times within the span of like three or four years. Sure. Um like she's gorgeous and annoying he's hilarious and it makes no sense for them really to get together at all Not it's at all. very ross and rachel-esque sure um but like uh, you know toe pick alone man like yes. you know that movie is a whole lot of fun very silly yep uh but it, it's kind of like dirty dancing in the fact that it can transcend being a chick flick sure and it can definitely be something that a man and a woman could sit down watching together and the guy's going to enjoy it maybe even more so than his girl for sure so. like having db sweeney play a hockey player not only that an olympic hockey player who then unfortunately gets injured to where he can't really play but i don't know if that would really stop anybody but whatever um but then forcing him to go into figure skating is one of those Dude. like oh how could he ever consider doing this? And then you realize it's money, and money makes the world go round. Um, well, not only that, but like, come on, Yammer Yager is still playing. Like, right? this guy is like 80 years old exactly. and still playing in professional hockey leagues. There's no way that 
this yeah. D.B. Sweeney guy couldn't have been, his character couldn't have been able to play at that sure. point in time. Like, no way. If he can ice skate, yeah. he's playing. I, 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 I agree with you 100% on that aspect, but for the movie, it works that he has to stop playing hockey so that he can become a figure skater. Um, and this this cast is just amazing. Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney as the leads, but then you've got... Um, Terrence Stamp? No, it's no, it's uh, it, it's the guy from the Rocketeer and from Lost, um, Terry O'Quinn. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Terry O'Quinn plays her dad. Um, just a lot of fun, and and again, it's one of those ones where I, for a long time, I always thought I was just in this tiny little bubble of I'm the only person who's ever heard of this movie, and like nobody else knows the Cutting Edge, and I'm like, oh, there's this really cute like ice skating movie that I like called The Cutting Edge. I I don't think I've ever met anybody who hasn't been like, oh, I love that movie too. I'm like, how do you know about this? Like, I thought I was, I thought I was teaching the world about the cutting edge, but literally everybody else has seen it. Um, Absolutely. But it is, it, it's so good and so fun. And my eighth and final movie that I wanted to talk about on this episode is uh, a 1993, 92-93 movie that kind of doesn't really count as a sports movie, but I threw it in there. Uh, it's called Airborne. Um, it has. No leads that you would ever know, uh, except for <laughs> Seth Green, who plays the main character's cousin, and Jack Black plays one of the jerks in the gang at high school. At the, at the high school, um, it's got surfing in the beginning of the movie. It's got rollerblading in the movie. It's got inline street hockey in the movie, and then it's got a a rollerblade sequence down a bunch of winding streets that I believe were actually filmed in Cincinnati. The whole movie takes place in Cincinnati. I'm pretty sure it was shot on location in Cincinnati um, because it really looks like Cincinnati to me. Does um, it, it literally should just be a Mountain Dew commercial, probably. The way you're describing it like it makes me think of like a 90s Mountain Dew commercial where like the guys from... Uh, Harold and Kumar are sitting there in the back. Like, <laughs> like, uh, it it like, definitely was cashing in on like the extreme sports vibe. Like I'm sure um, uh, the X Games were firing up right around this same point. Um, Rollerblade would probably be the brand that that put the most money into sponsorship in this. Almost every character, when there's a close up of their skates, have Rollerblade brand skates, um, and their logo is very prominent. Um, but it's basically another fish out of water story. This kid from California, his parents go uh, to work in Africa and they end up dumping him in Cincinnati with his aunt and uncle and cousin. So you got this California kid who gets dumped in Cincinnati in the middle of the winter. Granted, that's another plot point that does half the time it's snowing in this city. And then the next scene, because he needs to be rollerblading outside, there's no snow on the ground. And then it'll cut back to where it's snowing again outside. So yeah. the continuity of the weather is not the best in the movie, but it still works. But so fish out of water meets a blonde girl at high school. They start having a thing. But while he's at high school, the leader of the street gang in the high school doesn't like him at all because he's the California dude. Come to find out that's the older brother of the girl that he likes. Of course. Of course it is. So he's got to prove himself to that guy that he's worthy to date his sister. 
Um, and the only way to beat, the only way that he's worthy is if he beats him in some kind of street race. Am I right? Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't need to beat him. He needs to be on his team and help him beat the Los Locos or whatever the other team is. <laughs> yeah. Did Gemini Films make that movie? <laughs> this, this sounds horrible. It's so good, though. It's so much fun. It's it's typical early 90s. Like, it's got the flannels. It's got the, like, big baggy jeans. Uh, Seth Green steals the show because his character is ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's so much fun. Oh, you know what? I actually like there's an ice hockey scene before the street hockey scene. So it's just covering all kinds of sports. So this is where your love for flannel came from. Uh, probably. I'm I'm sure I'm sure I watched it and was like, I want to dress like these guys. Like, because I was I was already a skater and a hockey player by the time I saw the movie. Uh so yeah, I just had to decide that like because this is what Hollywood thinks they look like, this is what I should look like also. <laughs> Uh, so there we have it. Uh, it's been a it's been a good thirty five minutes that we've talked about these eight movies. These are my eight favorite sports movies. If I had to sit down and watch a sports movie, most likely it would be one of these eight. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, uh, I'm going to be doing interviews with other people over the next few days and piecing them as little like bonus episodes where I talk to them about their favorite sports movies. Of course, being the egocentric person that I am, I wanted to talk about my eight favorite movies on this episode, but I also do want to throw out there and talk to some other people about what their favorite sports movies are. So uh, keep an eye out over the next couple of days. There should be some small little five to ten minute clips of me talking to other people. Jason, thank you for bouncing stuff back and forth and being my co-anchor on this episode. I really appreciate it. Okay, welcome to a little bit of follow-up here with my top eight films, uh, sports films of all time. Uh, during the initial recording with Jason, Jason had made comments about Rotten Tomatoes and some ratings on there, and I kept thinking about that the day after we did our recording, and I was really curious what the Rotten Tomatoes ratings were for all eight of the movies that, that I consider my favorite sports movies. So I'm going to tack on this little bit of added stuff. Uh, it should be only a couple of minutes of me talking about the Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Um, first up was Field of Dreams. Um... 87 for the critics, 86 for the audience, so it's pretty much even there. Granted, I think it should be higher up in the 90s. I rate this movie very high, but still happy to see that it's got a good a good overall score with both the critics and the audience. Uh, next up is Love and Basketball. It had a really good critic score of 83%, but I definitely agree with the 95% from the audience. Uh, it just really goes to show how how much people relate to the movie and the story that it tells, not only on the basketball level, but on the personal level. So it's really nice to see that hit that 95% audience score. Varsity Blues, um, obviously it's not a critics movie, so a 41% from the critics isn't that big of a surprise in any way. Uh, but the 76 for the audience, that's, that's decent in my opinion. I still would put it much higher than 76%. I think it's a lot of fun, uh, really good script, uh, something different. It wasn't a copy-and-paste sports movie. So, well, while 76 is still okay, uh, I, I think it should still be a lot higher than that. Mystery Alaska, really bad critics score on here, 37%, which is kind of disappointing. And the notes uh, for the critics' consensus say the lack of hockey action and authenticity left critics cold. Oh, they're so witty over there at 
at Rotten Tomatoes, but um, I just... I feel like there's enough hockey in it to still consider it a hockey movie. Uh, it, it's not a lot of hockey games, but there are still a lot of hockey practices and sequences. And like I said when I was talking to Jason, I think it's a lot more about the small town characters uh, and they're dealing with all of the media exposure of, of fighting the Rangers. So I don't think it really needs... Like, the, the Rangers game at the end is still a good, like, 30 minutes of the movie. A nice chunk of action. Um, so I don't really understand why they say lack of hockey. But the 66% for the audience, it's acceptable. Again, I feel like it should be a lot higher. I don't know if I would say this one needs to be, like, super high. Um, but, I I mean, I obviously would put it high 80s, probably, in my opinion. I think it's, I think it's a solid movie. Uh, Hoosiers, 89%, 88%. Uh, critics and audiences are pretty much in the same with this one, I, I might put it a little bit higher, maybe low 90s, 92, 93 for me, like, I feel like there's not much wrong with Hoosiers, I feel like it's pretty solid overall. Cool Runnings, um, again, really close here between the critics at 76% and the audience at 81, um, I'm fine with the 81% there, like, I understand that it's not for everybody, and it's not a, a, a sport that's super popular, like, I, I can't honestly say if I've ever seen another bobsledding movie, to be 100% honest. So, uh, you know, 81%, I'm not really going to be upset about that. Uh, the Cutting Edge, 56% from the critics. I don't, I don't understand what the critics' issue was with this movie. Um, part contrived romance, part hack and I, whatever, sports drama. I mean whatever like yes that's what it is but like jason and i talked about it's a really good chick flick that transcends into a guy's movie because of the sports aspect of it so i'm really not sure what the critics were wanting with this it, it gives you hockey it gives you figure skating it gives you drama uh i i also don't agree that the audience score is 77 percent. like jason and i talked about i don't think i've ever met anybody who didn't like love this movie from start to finish um Maybe I just run with the same group of friends, but I I just don't understand why audience scores down at 77. I've never met anybody who didn't have praise for this movie. And finally, Airborne. I should have expected this. 21% from the critics. It's definitely not a masterpiece. It's definitely not an amazing movie. It's just fun for me. 59% from the audience. Again, it's a very niche movie. Rollerblading, hockey, fig yeah, not figure skating, rollerblading, hockey, street hockey, inline skating, inline hockey. Like, that That was a very niche market even in the early 90s when this movie came out. So it only has 8,000 votes compared to the other ones that were in, like, the 140, 160, 180,000 vote, like, categories. Like, so obviously not a lot of people have seen this, which makes sense. And obviously not a lot of people loved the movie as much as I did. Um, but it's one that's got a special place in my heart. So I appreciate you listening to this whole episode. Um, we're going to have some follow-up episodes over the next couple of days, short little blurbs of me talking to some other people about their favorite sports movies. Uh, I'm really excited about the ones I've already recorded, and I got a couple more lined up uh, in the next week. So it should be a lot of fun to, to get those put out there also. Um, then episode nine, uh, we are going back to 1999. 
Um, we have decided that every podcast that ends in a nine is going to go back and discuss something from 1999. So episode nine is going to be the music of 1999. We're going to look at the soundtracks uh, for the movies that came out that year and discuss some of the best songs, uh, some of the best soundtracks. Uh, and I'm still lining up who I'm going to have on there. So I may be putting out a, a questionnaire to see if anybody wants to join uh, Jason and I talking about that. And then episode 10, I'm really excited about. Um, we haven't, I, I don't think we're ready to officially say what episode 10 is going to be, but uh, it should it should be a lot of fun. I'll probably be putting out a poll uh, to have some results to talk about for episode 10. So we got the next two episodes lined up, and I'm really excited about it, guys. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it.